The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the neutral zone, it's Doctor Who, Podshock. <laughs> The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Pachock, episode 266. This is Lewis Trapani, and joining me across the Great Pond is Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. Hey, Dave. Make it so. Make it so is right. I had to say that. <laughs> the geek in me had to say that. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good comeback to that. All right, number one, I don't know. I'm a little rusty with my next generation. Welcome to the bridge. <laughs> yes. So we are here. We're recording this, and I'm just going to jump ahead a little bit because it's 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 news, but it's also conversational um, a conversational topic as well. We're just going to uh, jump ahead that we're recording this on Thursday, which is uh, February the the sixteenth of twenty twelve, and it's the uh, the day that. The Ninth Doctor turns, well, not really the Ninth Doctor, but Christopher Eccleston, who in, um, embodies the Ninth Doctor, turns 48 today. Young man in the prime. Brilliant. Yeah, so happy birthday, Christopher Eccleston. Also, as we record this, it's uh, the eve of Gallifrey 1 in Los Angeles, so I know many of our um, co-hosts and correspondents are... Uh, um, merging there along with, well, many other um, people who are attending the event. It's, um, I think this year is probably going to be, have, you know, we'll have more people than previous years, as the case with every year at Gallifrey One that keeps on growing and growing. So um, I don't suspect, if you're listening, <laughs> I, I, I suspect you're probably listening after the convention. So um, even if the show goes out during the weekend of the convention, which I hope it does, you know, so just to get it out on a timely fashion, I... Um, I suspect everyone's going to have other things on their plate in Los Angeles other than listening to our show. So let me say welcome back and um, and please um, let us know what you thought of the convention. Please leave us feedback. Call our public call box at 206-984-3543 is the Doctor Who Pachak public call box. And it's uh, there's no charge other than the, the course of the call itself. And it just it's a voicemail system. So you just call and leave a message there and you can give your report about um, about Gallifrey One, which is um, Network 23, I think, is the is, is, is what they're calling it this year. It's a 20. It's the 23rd convention. So once again, the number is 206-984-3543 for to leave feedback. 
Yeah, uh, we we want to know. I mean, th they may well be absolutely collapsed in a heap after, I don't know, 52 hours of continuous drinking. Although, in actual fact, from what I hear, drinking in the lobby may be severely curtailed if you're having to pay the full price for it. And I believe from the latest Galley News, they're expecting, would you believe, 3,000 people this year. And I remember you reporting only last year, maybe the year before, I think they broke the records with about 1,600 attendance and uh, 3,000 they're expecting for uh, Network 23. Yeah, as I said, it keeps on growing every year. And we, um, I know, in the, I don't know if it was our first year or second year that we were there, it was still under 1,000. You know, we were, I think... I mean, I don't want to give up mis—I don't want to give up misinformation, but I, I think the first year was maybe between 600 and 800, and then the second year it was—I think—is when it finally, you know, broke just like broke a thousand, and now we're through, you know, a few years forward. Now we're already three times as much as that. Absolutely, yeah. No, uh, I mean it is. Uh and absolutely, I mean, I don't know what Joshua Lou's going to do this year. Apparently, he spends most of the con mixing cocktails with his friends <laughs> in, the, in the lobby. So, well, heavens knows what he's going to do. Yeah, there was a change of management in the hotel, to my understanding. So, I think they've they have rules now where they're not going to allow that in the lobby, where they sort of, you know, kind of turned a blind eye to it in the past. I mean, not that they consented to it but they didn't you know they just like i said just um turned the other way and didn't really make anything to do with it but now i think th th they don't want that happening so so but I, I think the fans that are there will find other ways to enjoy themselves and it doesn't not all of it necessarily has to be alcohol related but those that do want to indulge in and get into the spirit, if you will, if you forgive the pun, you know, that you can go to their room parties and, you know, that you can go to your various different rooms and, um, you know, they do have a bar there. I mean, the hotel bar is there, but they close kind of early. I think they close either at 12 or 1 a.m., which um, is <laughs> in lobby con standards, it's very early. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of exciting things happening. Of course, there are all the guests and all the, the different panels. And I believe uh, even if you plan meticulously, uh, there are always two things that will clash. Oh, yeah, yeah. As far as the, the convention itself, I, I mean, LobbyCon isn't part of the official convention. That's that's outside of the convention. But as far as the convention itself, there's loads of... I mean, that, <laughs> that's I, if, if you have to have one complaint, you know, about Gallifrey one is that it's too good because you can't do everything. You know, there's just so much going on at once that you need to clone yourself and be at multiple places at once to, to see. It's, it's impossible to see it all. So, um, you know, you need to kind of make decisions of what you want to see and where you want to go. And, um, you know, that's why their, their website is helpful. And that's why, um, you know, they have a program book and you can highlight. Well, we said in past shows, you know, we've always in the past done, um, you know, pre-Gallifrey one shows. And um, where you can, we recommend where you can take a highlighter and highlight what you want to do and aim for, and go for. So, um, so yeah. And then if you've been listening to our show, I know we had um, mentioned that we had started a fund a to go to Gallifrey One because unfortunately uh, we just didn't have the resources to to uh, to uh, go there and cover it. I know Ken is out there on his own, and you know hopefully he'll be bringing back a report. And um, and then I think. Um, Terrace is out there this time for the first time, so oh, uh, yeah. So hopefully we'll hear from them. But is Eric? Uh, do we know if Eric's going as well? Bullet 
33. I think he usually takes photos and things. Yeah, I'm guessing he is. I, I'm assuming he is. What we're going to do is uh, that, that fund that's in place will you know, put that towards next year and we'll kind of shoot for that now since, um, you know, and so that uh, we can have that to kind of work towards. And next year it's going to be the 50th anniversary so, of Doctor Who itself. So it might be an extra special show, but I don't, you know, every convention is special. So I, I don't, you know, not to say that this year's isn't <laughs> or any other year, but I'm just saying that, you know, that's something to kind of work towards. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, uh by the time you hear this, the, the whole event will be over, but there'll be absolutely tons of stuff online. I mean, let's face it, the, last year there even was a, an article on the uh, Craig Ferguson where they sent a guy to do do, do the thing, but the, there will be absolutely tons of stuff, hopefully for us all to uh, live vicariously through uh, the exploits of people. David Huey was uh, uh, tweeting from the airport saying uh, he was wondering whether any of his listeners were actually in the same lobby of the airport on their way there so absolutely um it, it i mean i'm i've never been there so i, I i'm really green with envy uh love to be there i mean we should just say uh, that, that it isn't the only con that's on of course the uh, from uh, friday the 17th to the sunday the 19th uh, there's also the mega con which is that is taking place at the same the same weekend yeah that's that's taking place this weekend and that's in florida Yes, that's right. Uh, Ian, the Six Doctor's going to that, although he's rather disheartened because um, he's, he's uh, and, and this is very apropos what we're talking about, uh, what you mentioned, where the fact that we're on the uh, the bridge of the next generation enterprise, because um, uh, although it isn't from that, the um, one of the guests that he was looking forward to meet was his favourite captain from the Star Trek universe, which is Kate Mulgrew. Uh, of course, was in Star Trek Voyager, not mm -hmm. the Next Generation, and unfortunately, on the uh, she's cancelled her appearance. Oh no! Uh, so they were looking forward to seeing, uh, but um, th oh, that, that's a shame. Of, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, these ha that this happens sometimes at conventions that if a actor or actress gets another, uh, you know, gets a job or something that gets called, you know, they they have to think of their career first, and you know, and that that takes front seats so sometimes if an acting job or something comes along where they'll have to cancel a convention yeah i mean i, I know we this is doctor who pod shop but i mean uh, i mean they've got uh, robert picardo and uh, brent spinner and uh, uh, saul rubinick and tim ross so there's quite a lot from the star trek and of course that is something we're mentioning today because of one of the news items you're going to be talking about a little bit later. Yeah, there's uh, actually a, a couple kind of crossovers of Doctor Who to Star Trek that we'll be talking about today. Uh, but, be, but but while we're on conventions, uh, you know, before we move forward, I just want to make a mention that uh, about a, well, about a month and a half away from now, actually 36 days, 20 hours and 11 minutes as I record this. And the reason why I know that is because the website has a ticker clock on it, which uh, uh, is counting down. It's because he's a geek. <laughs> yeah, there's the Doctor Who, quote, official convention, you know, end quote is what they're calling it, the Doctor Who official convention. And you, know, you might be saying, well, th there have been Doctor Who conventions <laughs> over the past 20, well, 30 years or whatever, or, or even longer than that. There's the, the long leak conventions, um, if you want to call them conventions, back in the UK and back in the day. And um, But this, I think, is the first official convention, what they're calling the official mm. convention of the new 
series if you want to make it you know kind of separate it from doctor who all of doctor who i guess i i it's owned by the bbc the you know the website is i see is owned by the bbc so um anyway not to get into particulars about you know <laughs> the name and all that but it's the 24th and 25th of march of this year and it's at the millennium center in cardiff and the, uh, well, one of our news items, and I, I guess we might as well. We're, I guess we're already in the news already, so we might as well just go forward with that. Is um, they've just added Karen Gillan to their lineup. So Karen Gillan is joining Matt Smith along with Arthur Darvell and uh, Stephen Moffat are their uh, you know like the headliner guests, and then they also are you know lined up for the show. They also have uh, Nick Briggs, uh, Rachel Cassidy, uh, who. Um, is was was one of the um one of the gangers in um uh, Rebel Flesh and the Almost People. Yeah. So that's right. Also on board is uh Simon Fisher Becker which who played Dorium Mal Dorium Dor- 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 the, the blue the, the blue man. The, as I, I was going to say as everyone knows the blue guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one really remembers his name but everyone, if I say the blue guy everyone knows who I'm talking about. Of course he's a late addition to uh, Galley 23 as well. Yeah, so uh, he's going to be going from one con to the other. Yeah. Um, obviously, that we're <laughs> they're separated by uh, by you know um, they're a month apart, so uh, six weeks apart, I uh, five weeks apart or whatever. Uh, Ian Vignese, who uh, who I believe we we it was a year ago, I think, where we he was at Gallifrey and we you know we had him on our show at Gall- at Gallifrey one on our live show, so he's going to be at that event along with um, Mark Shepard, who. Um, uh, I should, and I guess I should go backtrack. Ian Benice, if you don't know, played Winston Churchill. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's gotten to the point where I just assume everyone kind of knows, but then I have to take a step very, back. Very large uh, live person. You may also know him, of course, from the June movie. Yes, yeah. They played Bar- uh, Baron Harkonnen, is it? Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, the, 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 not the David Lynch film, but the... Um, the made for uh, the sci-fi network. They they were the miniseries of Dune. He played that. He played that role. I thought it was in the film one as well. But there you go. I usually make mistakes. So uh, there's my trademark. <laughs> That's probably one of the mistakes. Uh, just to say, by the way, this um, the the dwconvention.com, which is the site we're referring to. Um, the two things. I mean, the, you're quite right. The official thing. It's got meet the stars. Meet the creators and directors and uh, Doctor Who and Cut. But there was a little bit of controversy. It is a bit of controversy because of the cost of this thing. The ticket's £99, which um, has um, uh, gave a little bit of a, a disbelief uh, from fans when it first came. But, I mean, the point is that uh, presumably they're putting on... You know, you're getting the inside story on, on things with this. Uh, and, um, of course... Uh, Slightly at a tangent to that, and I'm messing, dear listener, I'm messing Lewis up here because I'm not sticking to his plot here. But um, that's okay. To say that one of the things is that, uh, of course, um, it's uh, the February the 22nd uh, that the Doctor Who experience that's in London uh, is closing down. It's had um, oh no, 155,000 visitors, I think, because it's relocating back to Cardiff, isn't it? Where they're going to mm-hmm. set it up permanently. Oh but, well, that's um, good. This is the basically uh, coming up to not far short of the last weekend. You'll be able to actually go to uh, the Doctor Who Experience. Uh, I believe on the um, Happiness Patrol um, um, 
uh, Dale, who was on that, had to skip their recording because he was making a final tearful visit to the uh, Doctor Who experience. Well, well, let me just kind of backtrack to what you said before about the ninety-nine um, pounds yeah, for the for the cost of the convention. Just for our U.S. listeners, that translates to at this at the time of this recording, of course, uh, one hundred and fifty-six dollars and forty-three cents. So yeah. that's. Um, it's it's a lot of money for you know as a entrance fee for a convention so it's it's not so much when you if when you think of trade shows but for like a science fiction convention that's that's a lot of money and it's it's two days so i mean i understand why there's some sort of um controversy with that that, that it is kind of expensive well, again, because it's a, a one day that you go at that pace for one day, it's not like when you go to a three-day con, uh, con when you, you're starting at 9 or 10 in the morning and you're still going strong at midnight, 2 o'clock in the morning. This is from 9 a.m. to 6, which some people in, in uh, going to Galley would think of that as half a day. Yeah, yeah. The, the guests go, you're, you're getting people that are currently in the in this and i don't mean to belittle any other convention and all that but i uh, i mean you, you're getting some i guess some bang for your buck you know hopefully and hopefully it'll be a good this is the first one so if well if you go into this uh, again please let us know you know and uh, um we'll welcome your feedback on it and you know if you thought the the course was justified and if, if you know either pro or con no pun intended <laughs> I, I think one thing that's slightly put people's back up it says you know each ticket includes a limited edition you think a limited edition what a limited edition Dalek or what no you get a limited edition souvenir lanyard with a laminated pass <laughs> sorry that is uh, funny a souvenir ticket uh, I mean the fact that they even mention it as uh, you know the pass you have to wear for security reasons is classed as a, a gift <laughs> uh, which seems, I don't know. Um, you get a ticket. You get a, 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 yeah. a, <laughs> a real printed ticket. You don't have to print your own ticket out, you know. <laughs> but no, I, I, I mean, I, I think the whole point is it's why I think it's not, although it should be a really fabulous experience. And you, you, as I say, you're getting the, uh, the inside track on things like this. And I'm sure there's going to be absolutely a plethora of uh, props and, uh, you know, masks and all the things like that. And probably, uh, you know, uh, features showing them doing makeup and all sorts of things like that. Um, because it's, quote unquote, an unproven event, you would have thought they would have sort of made the name for it a little bit this time, maybe charge 49 quid, 45 quid, and then build it up. Uh, certainly, of course, uh, they, they must be hoping that um, this is a, a precursor, a dry run to the uh, uh, you know, 2013, uh, which will be the, the big one. Uh, but anyway, uh, anything like this is, is, is more than welcomed. And uh, it, I think it just threw people a little bit to the side, especially in what for people in the UK are rather uh, straightened times uh, when uh, disposable income is not that easy to come by. Yes, yeah. 
trying to give you some sort of uh, perspective on it. There's the the following weekend after that in here locally here in at least in the U.S. and New York. There's Icon, which is Icon 31, which is March 30th through April 1st, and which is turning into like a, a sort of a, a mini Doctor Who convention itself because there's a uh, Daphne Ashbrook there, Sylvester McCoy. Uh, um, the, you had Sarah Douglas, who who was in the uh, who played a role in the animated um, the, the the computer animated adventures. So uh, you know that. <laughs> mm. Did I mention Fraser Hines? Um, nope. nope. Yeah, he's going to be there as well. So it's it's something that you definitely want to check out as well. And the three day pass for that is ninety nine dollars. And then there's the th- that that includes the banquet and um, a limited edition T-shirt and and you'll you get the pass as well. But <laughs> oh, Jer- Jeremy Bollock as well, who, who everyone knows has played Boba Fett, but was also in two Doctor Who adventures. Um, and Nana Visitor, who was an, in um, uh, Torchwood recently, but everyone else knows from Deep Space Nine. But anyway, you can get a three day pass without the um you know without the banquet and the shirt and all that and that's fifty four dollars so um and there's even a student pricing as well so perhaps i mean it, it, maybe if they had a tier pricing at the doc the official doctor who convention where they could break down you know to make it more affordable for some people you know where you might not get everything but you still can go and enjoy the the event you know maybe that might be a solution to this in the future perhaps indeed so um so yeah there's conventions to to look forward to um uh, this is just spring right now so you got uh right now this weekend is Gallifrey 1 and then uh there's the official Doctor Who convention there's Icon there's Megacon um this weekend as well in Florida and I'm sure there's other conventions uh, taking place that 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 we're not mentioning so um you know that's something that you just you know need to kind of stay on top of and although it's a long time we have to wait, it, it seems, until Doctor Who's back on our screens. Screens, not screams. Yeah, well, that, that's <laughs> well, the job. <laughs> um, there is news about filming of the new series, isn't there? Yeah, they're shooting. Um, they're, they're about to begin shooting next week, I believe. Today's, I said, uh, is the 16th, I believe. So I think they're scheduled to 20th. start, start yeah. shooting on the 20th. So uh, I don't have a calendar in front of me, but I believe that is probably Monday. Monday. Yep, on Monday. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting that, uh, you know, as you said, that, you know, we have until autumn to, uh, you know, to wait for the new series. But it's good to know that they're starting production. Uh, well, I'm sure production has already started, but they're starting shooting. And, uh, you know, I'm sure now as, as soon as they as soon as they start shooting, we'll start as we've done in past years, start getting leaked photos, you know, people passing by with camera camera phones and whatnot or whatever, getting some glimpses of what's to come. And that's Lucy's way of telling you, uh, be careful of spoilers. It's so easy to come across them by accident. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It, 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 uh, please, my, my plea would go out to people on Twitter. Uh, some of the people I know are very, well, a lot of people I know are sensible, but there's quite a few people I know that are on Twitter, like uh, Mike Randall Thor, one of the uh, the guys who comes on our show. And what he does, he has two Twitter accounts uh, and, and what they do is you have a, a second Twitter account and you add the letters DW after your Twitter name. So you, you actually have two Twitter accounts and you only post spoilers on the Twitter accounts with the DW at the end because anybody else 
knows that if they're following somebody with a, a Twitter name that ends DW, they can expect spoilers of some sort. Oh. So mm-hmm. it's worth doing that. Well, for our listeners, you can rest assured, uh, at least I won't ever tweet a spoiler knowingly, nor will the Dr. Pachak Twitter account tweet any spoilers. So um, if and if we link any articles to a tweet, we oh, and, if, and if the articles contain spoilers, if we know about it, we'll always give a warning. But we'll never tweet out any spoilers out in the open now. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's good. Also, we have uh, two writers that have been confirmed for the new series, which is uh, Toby White Whithouse and Chris um, Chibol- Chib- Chibnall, Chibnall, who are yeah. both veterans uh, writers, you know, of of the series. I'm sure okay. we'll get more announcements as as time goes on. You know, as far as um. Other, I mean, obviously, Stephen Moffat will be as as the lead writer and executive producer will be, you know, penning some stories, and I'm, I'm sure we'll have other writers as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and of course, uh, you, you you'll know. Uh, I mean, uh, f- from being human and things like that. So I'm not human. Oh, oh you mean the series oh, being human? Okay. Being human, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris Chibnall's credits, of course, include Life on Mars, Torchwood. Uh, and United for Doctor Who 42, The Hungry Earth, Cold Blood, uh, which saw the return of the Silurians. Yes, yes. And in actual fact, but just going back to the thing about filming, uh, the, the, uh, it does say, yes, we have been promised the return of some old monsters, but some new and terrifying ones. Now, I hope when they say old monsters, they don't mean something from... 2005, 2006, and they're now classing those as old monsters. Lewis, I hope you're sitting down. <laughs> it's been on our screens for seven years, nearly eight years, Doctor. Wow, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking about that earlier with uh, Christopher Eccleston's birthday being today, and I'm thinking to myself that was, you know, 2005, 2005, and that's already, I mean, we're already, I, I mean, <laughs> it's just hard to believe that it's been that long. I remember that, you know, when he was the doctor, that was all new, fresh, new Doctor Who, and now that's like, what, like you said, seven. I mean, seven years ago, or actually, when they started. I mean, when they started production, I think it was um, now eight years ago or so. I mean, they yeah. came, came out in March, but they start they started shooting. I think in that that autumn, you know, uh, well, that you know the year the- before. The, the late lamented uh, Top Two Confidentials that have stopped uh, for, well, we won't go into the re- whys and wherefores about it, but I think one of the very first ones I saw, and I mentioned this before, uh, was uh, Russell T. Davis, you know, announcing that, and I thought, why is he saying this? He, he was basically saying something like, you know, yes, uh, this is my interpretation of Dot Two, and, uh, you know, we'll do it, but I think Dot Two will be, you know, uh, reinvented with each generation that comes and this is my take on it and we'll be doing this and then maybe you know it'll in five years or so it'll get retired and then it'll come back uh, with another uh, another team behind it and I think why is he saying that so he just started and then um, uh, Christopher Eccleston had only just appeared in about two episodes and then we found out Christopher Eccleston was leaving I'm thinking but I mean, the, the sounding the, the, the death knell of it before we've even got going. And now, leap forward, as you say, almost eight years on, and, um, uh, you know, we're all, we're all in despair because um, uh, we're, we've got this long wait. Um, but thankfully, it looks as though we're not going to have um, 
I didn't particularly like this split season business, you know, uh, seven episodes mm-hmm. and then six. Um, but I, I do feel as though if it served the purpose of bringing, and we mentioned this briefly on Podshock uh, 265, we were yeah. talking with Ken mm-hmm. about it. Um, if it is, it's been done to firmly get Doctor Who back, uh, in, you know, in the autumn, so, yeah. Yeah, then, then, then I'm quite happy to uh, say that it's done its job. Um, so, yeah, but uh, so the fact that they're actually producing it now and uh, uh, they're moving on with it, uh, great. And um, I've heard different co- uh, different announcements by um, um, uh, by him, yeah, <laughs> by Matt Smith. Uh, he, he seems, you know, uh, there was it was coming to the surface that he might be leaving, but I think the last couple of times when he's been asked. He said he's got no plans to leave. Yeah, um, I, th- I think everyone reads too much into anything that he might just say, and they just read too much. Or if they, or if he doesn't say something, that people just assume. I, I don't worry about it. You know, I, I think we we can enjoy Matt Smith until he actually says that he's you know going to be stepping down. Then you can start you know <laughs> getting upset, but uh, which you shouldn't anyway. But uh, but but I think. Everyone should just calm down when and and not read too much into everything that he says. I remember one time he said that um, he was on some talk show or chat show and said that he was gonna, uh, you know, he had a year of Doctor Who to do and then he was gonna um, go to L.A. and um, you know maybe look for work or whatever. But it doesn't mean that he was gonna leave Doctor Who. It just means that in between he might be going to L.A. to look for work and just it just may mean you know it, it, people just read too much into it. it doesn't mean that oh, he's leaving Doctor Who. You know, yeah. I, I think there's some subliminal messages in there. He's sort of letting know the agents in America that you know is approachable. Yeah, I mean because there's there's times. I mean David Tennant did um, he, he did Shakespeare while he was on Doctor Who. He's I mean he's done other things uh, while still being on the series. It doesn't mean that you know just because you're doing Doctor Who, you can't do other things. And just because uh, you explore other things doesn't mean you're leaving Doctor Who. And, of course, that was another Doctor Who Star Trek connection, wasn't it? Because yes. he was with Patrick Stewart. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> this is very much boldly going where no Doctor Who podcast has gone before. <laughs> well, I don't know. I can't really say that. Who knows? But, yeah, it's um, we're exploring. We're, we're on the final frontier of things. Excellent. Uh, but, you know, speaking about you know, how Doctor Who came back in 2004 and then onto our screens in 2005. There's talk, and this, you gotta, um, that was very New York-y of me. There's talk, there's, there's, <laughs> there's chatter. This, this you must file under rumor right now because there's uh, nothing official being, uh, you know, out there about this, but there's, it's room, there's, there's rumor or uh, n- non-denials, denials, as they're saying, um, of, a BBC drama that will be focusing on the creation of Doctor Who, you know, going back to 1963. And uh, and what I'm speaking about is that, and I didn't hear this myself, this is uh, secondhand information from articles that had posted about it, is that Mark Gaddis was on the Graham Norton radio show and he had, um, there was something that was brought up whether or not they'll be writing a, a film about the creation of the original Doctor Who show and, and they, obviously there's an error here, you know, uh, circa 1973, I guess they really meant 1963, you know, whether or not, I, I guess Mark Gaddis would be involved with it. And 
nothing's officially been said or not said or, or, or no official denial, but it would be interesting if it is happening or if it does happen. You, you know what I'd like to see, and maybe uh, uh, as well as this, for, for the anniversary, um, uh, uh, people who perhaps are Anglophiles uh, are, are indeed, they may be uh, people from England listening, but the, 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 the BBC4 here in the UK uh, has, has been doing what you might call, not, not really dramas, they're like da- drama documentaries on... On, on icons of BBC things like they did one on Steptoe and Son, uh, mm-hmm. they did one on Hattie Hattie Jakes from the Carry On films. They did one about Eric Morecambe from Morecambe and Wise. Um, uh, they did um, uh, one of the other Carry On actors, um, uh, and they've done a few. They did, I think, they did one on um, who else did they do? It might have been Hancock. But the point is. I can see them doing it as like a, a drama documentary. Um, they can, uh, that could really be uh, a good way of doing it, where they're sort of, you know, uh, doing scenes, some of the iconic scenes, mm-hmm. but actually following the actors as they, they try and get into the roles and maybe a little bit of the personal lives. I, I'd love to see something like that. Uh, over and above, uh, alongside this. I mean, I'm hoping that... Um, that uh, the 50th anniversary will not just mean that we get uh, a bigger budget Doctor Who story, whether it's going to be a regeneration story or not, or whatever. Uh, and that's not me spoiling. That's just the, Pondering. Sort of that's speculation. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just anybody was thinking. You know, will would Matt Smith want to go out with a bang, as it were, uh, or whatever? But the point is that I could certainly see some sort of da- drama documentary. As I say, like they did with the with the Steptoe and Eric Morecambe and the other icons, you know, a little bit like um, they do, where you, you see them both in character, and then you see a little bit of their their personal life, uh, and that personal life is not there to inquire about, you know, uh, any sort of uh, looking under the carpet type, but simply to give. A documentary contextual background as to what else was happening in Britain at the time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and what life was like, and so on. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would really enjoy that as well. I mean, in addition to, as you said, uh, doing something in the program itself, but something on the side there that kind of explores. Because I was, I mean, I've always been fascinated with how the series began and, and its early beginnings, and you know, I, I, I eat that stuff up. I love that so. And it'd be great to see that dramatize, you know. And yeah, and the, and the visit to the radiophonic workshop, and you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I mean, up until now we've seen like documentaries and all that, but it'd be great to kind of flesh it out some more and and do a drama. I mean, if they do it well, and and, and it's if it's done with love, is what I'm getting at, you know. And I'm sure Mark Gatiss has got the qualifications yes. to do something like that. Absolutely, very. He's got the very sensitive touch for things like that. So yeah, we're gonna go. For- from one legendary science fiction series to another now as we cross over the, the time rift and, um, and space warps and um, warp drives to... You're gonna, we're, we're mixing some Doctor Who and Star Trek together. Well, the, the, the biggest news, I guess, this past week, which has been um, you know all over the social networks, has been that IDW has announced a Doctor Who and Star Trek Next Generation crossover in their comic book line. So I believe it's called a Simulation 2, you know, with the, like um, 
with the little two on the top there. That's a, is that a simulation square? Well, yeah, that's, that's like a square that's sign, the, isn't the it? The square, yeah. So it's Star Trek: The Next Generation, and it's it includes Matt Smith as the eleventh Doctor and uh, Captain Picard as the captain of, of the Enterprise, as, as we've seen in the televised version with um, Patrick Stewart playing that role. So it's going to be interesting seeing a story that is going to encompass the merging of these two. Though it's not the first time it's happened. It's, uh, I guess, it's the first. They're calling it the, an official Doctor Who star. And I say, and when I think they're using the word official, only because I, you know, Star Trek and and the Doctor Who comics are licensed products, you know, by the BBC. So I think that's what makes it official. I I, I don't see it as canon. You know, until it's on the television series, but uh, but we can call it official by that means because when I what I'm getting at is back in the 1980s there was a fan written story that had the Doctor and this time it was the fourth Doctor, you know, Tom Baker's Doctor on the original Enterprise, you know, with Captain Kirk and all that, and there was a book that came out which I don't think I don't think it was a comic book, but I think it was an illustrated book and and again i don't think it was anything officially licensed but there was a, a book and i may have it i have to go through my <laughs> have to go through my uh my archives to find it and dig it out uh, not a big book but there was something that, that did explore you know tell that story and i don't remember the the you know the story the ins and outs of the story itself now but um but it has been done before and i'm sure with fan fiction it's uh, you know there it's yeah, everyone's been doing it, but over the, over the past um, how, how many years now? Star Trek and well, Star Trek has been around forty some odd years now, or yeah. So it's pretty um, well, it's pretty exciting. So that the this is something that um, Tony Lee, who has been on our show, it's um, it's co-written by Tony Lee. The story was co-written with longtime Doctor Who comic author Tony Lee and Star Trek infestation comic book authors Scott and David Tipton, illustrated by J.K. Woodward, Fallen Angel. The comic book will have a limited edition. So, um, and that's uh, Tony Lee has had to bow out of Galley, hasn't he, because of presumably this work commitment or whatever. Well, it should be hitting the shelves in May. So, uh, hitting the when I said the shelves, I mean coming to the stores in May. And I don't know if that means uh, both. In the UK, in the US, I'm not sure how how distribution works, but I'm assuming that's the case. Right. Uh, I'm not usually a big fan of these crossover ones. Uh, Now, let me just paraphrase that, our back step. I think for fan fiction, it's absolutely marvellous because it means people can explore great sort of things. Uh, And obviously there's there's some people that go into sort of all areas of... uh, unconventional life as well but the um uh, this seems to me very exciting uh, it's quite uh, good for me in a way because uh, here in the uk at the moment uh, one of the channels cbi uh, cbs action is is re-showing all the star trek next generation episodes uh, on a daily basis and i've been really getting back into star trek the next generation it is something although you feel as though they're going to have to do something to limit almost almost limit the power of the TARDIS because whatever situation the Enterprise gets in, you always have that feeling that the the TARDIS could get them out of it. Although we could probably go back to the old adage in Doctor Who that once the Doctor becomes involved in the, the time stream, he can't then use the TARDIS 
to you know jump back a few days and get them out of it if you know what i mean mm. well also the the other thing with the tardis is that it's it's sometimes it's temperamental when it when the story dictates it to be you know it doesn't always work exactly the way it should sometimes or they'll explain certain limitations uh that you know it can't do or or can do like uh sometimes they'll in a story they'll say well you know the tardis isn't really doesn't do too well with short hops and you know just because it works well in the story so um well, but we'll see i mean i um i i should also say that the the ponds are in the story as well and i don't know if i should say anything more if 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 that would be considered spoilery you know as far as like well, the, 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 we already set the title as a simulation, you know, squared or, you know, as assimilation, assimilation. So you can ponder. No, well, no. What, always good. In the what, what that's all about. <laughs> if, if you think about Star Trek and you think about talk to you and what common enemy or villain that are similar, very similar to each other, you can kind of connect the dots. Oops. Oh, Cybermen, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. I think we better not say anymore. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was about to go there, but I better not. Okay. So, but we're not done yet with Star Trek Doctor Who crossovers. Are you sure we're not done yet? <laughs> this is exciting. Do go on. Because, um, as we were saying, because it's, um, you know, we were, we were reminiscing about how Doctor Who came back in 2005, and, you know, it's Christopher Eccleston's birthday, and it's already now, like, seven years since that came to be. And one of the actors from when Doctor Who came back was uh, Noel Clark, who um, played Mickey and Ricky, and <laughs> but originally it was, um, you know, uh, Rose's um, significant uh, other, you know, and, well, now you have him to look forward to in the next sequel to the Star Trek movie uh, series, you know, the, the J.J. Um, Abrams, Abrams. Uh, series, not, you know, that, that version of Star Trek that went another route. So, um, so yeah, he's been cast, you know, in the new, you know, whatever they're going to wind up calling it. I don't think they have, they've released the title of it yet, but it's not going to be called Wrath the Khan. <laughs> <laughs> that much we know, but the, so the new Star Trek movie, uh, whatever it's called, he has been cast. They, they, um, to my knowledge, they haven't released the character's name, but it's been reported that he'll be playing a family man with a wife and a young daughter. So I don't know what that means. If you need to read into that, I don't know. I, it doesn't mean anything to me. But yeah, so that's something to look forward to. You'll have um, um, another Doctor Who crossover, and um, you know. It's not the first time, of course, because, you know, Daphne Ashbrook is a longtime friend of ours and who's been in Star Trek The Next um, Deep Space Nine, as well as um, obviously Doctor Who. So, yeah. And um, just in case there's anybody out there who hasn't listened to Podshock 265 and why haven't you go and listen to it after this? <laughs> um, uh, we mentioned, I think, that uh, uh, Benedict, Cum Benedict Cumberbatch is also going to be in Star Trek. Yes. So, and um, even though he's not Doctor Who, he's <laughs> the, the show Sherlock is produced by Stephen Moffat, who's obviously um, is related to Doctor Who. So, it's all oh, one yeah. big family. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I almost think of him as a, an honorary. I mean, he's he, you know it's seven degrees of separation or whatever you want yeah. to call it. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah. I, I, the new. Um, 
in many ways, the the new Sherlock series is very much like Doctor Who. I mean, not not so much with the science fiction elements, but I mean, Sherlock and the Doctor are very similar in in many respects. You know, so uh, it's um, I'm I'm sure if you enjoy one, you'll enjoy the other. Yeah, <laughs> they they actually they ought to do what um, uh, now. I'm trying to remember which stage play it was, but apparently quite a lot of uh, these really brilliant stage actors, um, you know, especially when they do these two-hander ones like, um, I don't know, Waiting for God or, um, uh, what is it, uh, um, Sleuth, uh, the, the actors swap roles. In other words, one mm-hmm. plays the villain one day and, it, and then so they don't get bored of it, they swap over roles. I mean, uh, we ought to have, um, you know, uh, maybe they could do it as a Children in Need special where Cumberbatch is the Doctor for one episode and uh, Matt Smith is Sherlock Holmes for one episode. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) A Children in Need. Children in Need. They each each do uh, a ten-minute story where, you know, Cumberbatch plays... The Doctor and Matt Smith plays Sherlock. Maybe even have them both in the same show. Hey, we've never known. We've, I bet the people cringing now. But you know, if we can have a, a Star Trek Doctor Who crossover, why not a Sherlock uh, Doctor Who crossover for children in need? I'm not talking yeah, yeah. Uh, about um, part of canon and part of the real thing. I think it would be splendid. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a seven percent solution. Definitely. <laughs> well, uh, so that, that's why we've been making all these Star Trek references throughout this episode so far. Uh, many, um, it just it seems to be a, a timely thing to do with um, all the Star Trek Doctor Who crossover news. Well, can you just imagine it now? The Vulcan comes up to the Doctor and says, "Live long and prosper." <laughs> <laughs> I certainly will. Yeah, yeah. There's um, lo- there. Well, we're not going to. I mean, we'll, we'll have to do a whole episode of the various different uh, sort of similarities and uh, uh, between Doctor Who and, and Star Trek, not as a whole, but maybe certain episodes. You know, where um, you know you had Gary Seven with um, had a sonic screwdriver. It wasn't a sonic screwdriver, but it was something that worked very similar to a sonic screwdriver as as we know it today. And um, you know. Uh, we never really get to hear Spock's full name, sort of, uh, sort of like you know the Doctor's name. You know, they're, yeah, they're, 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 and you know, they're, they're little gives and takes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we've, you better re- re- reel me back in now. We haven't got <laughs> we haven't got Ken to slap our wrists here. And, and and of course, what we were getting at before with the the Borg and the Cybermen are. <sighs> He said it. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> well, everyone was thinking of it, so if you weren't, you know. But yeah. Okay. Simulated now. <laughs> you shall become like us. Getting back to um Ancient History Doctor Who 2005, which not only brought Mickey, you know, also brought us Captain Jack originally and um, who was um, brought to life by John Barrowman, and he and his sister are writing another book. Uh, his sister's uh, Carol. Carol Bar- yep. I'm just trying to find Carol, me link quickly. Carol E. Barrowman. So it's John That's and it. Carol E. Barrowman is the author of the book, if you're looking for it, and it's called Hollow Earth. Yeah, 
I think it's Carol spelt with an E rather than a middle initial E, isn't it's it? Both. If oh, I, it's I'm both. I'm looking at the book jacket. It's, ah, it's, right, yeah. yeah. In the supernatural story, the twins, or twins in it, forced to flee when villains try to use them to release the contents of Hollow Earth, a place where devils and demons are trapped for eternity. And Hollow Earth, that reminds me a little bit of Torchwood's story. Not hollow, mm. but with that great big column of, uh, without being spoilerish, at the centre. Oh, oh, oh I, I know what you're saying. The the, the most I'm recent Torchwood no, series. Saying, yeah. No, yeah, I'm saying no mm. more. <laughs> it's a miracle that you're not saying anything more. No, I'm only kidding. Enough with the puns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, that looks great. I mean, I, I would imagine reading between the lines that his sister is the main driver of this because i mean they they have they have co-written before other um other works they have done i know in the past yeah but barman's so busy he's been on this magician's show or something yeah he's been on all these singing shows he's been judging on things not to mention i think he's got um his own one-man show going around uh i mean the man's an absolute powerhouse i mean you could light up half of london with his smile you know (laughs) he doesn't stand still well, we have uh, more uh, news about Doctor Who actors doing other things. There's um, David Tennant and Sophie Aldred are doing something together. Who are um, and, and I'm <laughs> we, were, we were talking about we were, Dave and I were speaking about this before the show. So hopefully I won't mess up the name now. They're going to be appearing. Uh, their voices, I believe, will be appearing in a new um, adventure called Tree Fu Tom. Did I say that right? right. You got it right. <laughs> ah, um, I got it right. <laughs> we should say this is for very young listeners, basically podcast listeners. Um, <laughs> the um, Yes, it's um, here in the UK with BBC, we have what's called children's BBC, so that's C-BBC. But for even... And that's probably the, uh, what, 8 to 12 age range. But there's also... It shares a channel in time with another one called CBBCs. So that's C-B-E-E-B-I-E-S. So it's for children basically, well, under under 10, but it's basically sort of three to eight-year-olds. And this is a, a cutesy-looking animated uh, thing. Uh, so it's David Tennant uh, and, of course, act, actress Sophie, Sophie Aldred played Ace with Sylvester McCoy, of course, mm-hmm. playing that. Uh, Aldred plays the titular character Tom, while Tennant, using his Scottish accent, no less, plays his his friend, Twigs. And, of course, Aldred is playing... It's a male character, presumably. Um, so um, the children can actively participate in the story, moving along with Tom to create tree foo magic. So um, it's not uh, for really our listenership, I don't think, uh, but this will be starting on the 5th of March here in the UK, CBC. Uh, I'm not too sure, but they're probably going to be little short um, ones. I can't actually see where it says how long the episodes are, mm-hmm. but they are for y- much younger viewers. I have to say from the, the graphics, the animated, uh, the, the, the well, they're not animated, what I'm looking at, but the, the stills of the characters that the one the david Tennant one actually kind of looks like him 
<laughs> He's got the same hairstyle. Has that hairstyle? That, uh, <laughs> the hairstyle that he had as as the doctor. You know that spiky hair. Yeah, absolutely. These are like cute little characters, you know, with the heads a little larger than in proportion to their bodies and all that, you know, you know, aimed at, at younger kids. But I mean, older kids enjoy that type of stuff too, to a certain degree. And uh, you can uh, see that in a similar fashion. There's a game, a Doctor Who game, which is web based. I, I thought I had it opened here, but perhaps not. But it's a it's called World's in time it's a web-based game of doctor who and if you go if you go to doctor who w-i-t which stands for worlds in time.com you could uh play this game it's it's a multiplayer game it was developed in partnership with three rings you basically take uh, you, you can create your own character you know uh, create the, their face and you know you choose the hair and the nose and that type of thing uh you have male and female characters to choose from and those are that's your avatar and you can um have these uh online adventures i i I was trying to um i was gonna i was hoping to kind of get a taste of it right before we started recording and i started um you have to sign up and get an account and all that and i just didn't have time for that which is sort of i mean okay i i understand the reason why because you there's a uh, message board and all that so they want to make sure that it's all uppity up you know and, and no one's being you know but maybe there should have been a like a um a quick game that you could play for yourself without having to sign up just to get a little taste of it so but if you have time go to the website and uh, i don't think it costs anything i think you just need to sign up and you can play i believe it i i mean i i'm in the u.s and i didn't um i didn't i didn't sign up for an account yet so i didn't actually play but i got up to that point without any problems so i'm assuming it's not um it's not just the uk only so i'm assuming everyone can participate in it yeah, and it definitely does say free-to-play multiplayer online game. Yeah. So check it out. It's com is um, is the URL. It's Doctor Who Worlds in Time. It's a free-to-play multiplayer online game. And like I said, it's a it's one of those cute games with uh, with the avatars, with the heads a little bit larger than the rest of the body. And, you know, cartoon-like. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's a fun game. I, I just haven't, haven't had time to yeah. play it yet. A bit like us lost on Second Life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There's a reminder for you, Lewis. That's something to uh, get back in the works again with. Well, yeah, we normally would be doing... Actually, since you brought it up, it's this weekend would have been the normal... You know, as we haven't spaced three months apart, this weekend would have been the normal time for our Second Life meetup, but... Uh, obviously, with this weekend being um, Gallifrey One taking place this weekend, it didn't seem to be appropriate. No, absolutely, no. You're quite right. I don't know. We may next weekend isn't really um, working well for me scheduling wise. So, and then we're into March. So, um, we may maybe just um, um, you know skip to to our um, to the next one, or we may. I have to. I have to speak with. Um, 
with oh, um, Victor. Victor. Victor's first morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's, he's, he's the he's the guy. Uh, what's yeah. what their schedules? Because it's not just us that that uses um, that space there. So I want to make sure you know I have to check with him and see what's what. So they've done a lot of cha- Second Life itself has gotten a lot of changes over the last several months. So there's lots of new stuff to check out. I know last time we had a we did our meetup there, we spoke about resume you know doing the Tartarus tours again just to give everyone a taste of what the new layout is like and the new stuff that that has come to be since um you know since the last time we did Tartarus tours. So that's again something I need to kind of work out with them. Okay. So, but if if you're interested, you know, please let us know. And and um, you know, we had a good turnout last time for our um, panel discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna um, take a quick break, and we'll be back with more talk to you, Pachak. This is Matt Smith, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock. We're going to continue with our Star Trek theme with today's episode. On today's audible recommendation will be a Star Trek one instead of a Doctor Who one. I know we normally do a Doctor Who or a Doctor Who related one. Um, and we spoke earlier in this episode about Noel Clark being cast in the Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek um, sequel, that is. We're going to sort of go back to... Um, the original Star Trek sequel, that's Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and we're going to um, recommend a sequel to that. No, it's not. <laughs> and it's not The Search for Spock either. We're going into, uh, I think it's sort of into 100 years into the future or so in this sequel. It's called Genesis Wave, Star Trek The Next Generation, Gen- The Genesis Wave, book one. It's could be your selection, your audible um, you know, make that your free audio book selection from Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from in every genre, be it thrillers, business, romance, comedy, and of course, science fiction, and a whole lot more. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, more than 500 devices for your listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Dr. Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free, yes, a free download, a free audiobook download, that is, with a free 14-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. To get your free audiobook today, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And as I mentioned before, we're going to do a Star Trek the Next Generation audiobook for this episode. As I said, it's called The Genesis Wave, book one. And it takes place in, as the title implies, in the next generation time. But it's the continuing storyline of the Genesis device, as you've, as we've come to know it in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. So it, it actually has Dr. Carl Marcus in it. Um, in the movie, she was played by the lovely... Well, the late, now lovely B.B. Besh. And uh, so Dr. Carol Marcus is in this, though she's quite older now, as you can imagine. Though in the future, people do age a little bit more gracefully. If you remember Star Trek The, the Next Generation, I believe it was the pilot episode, had uh, a cameo with McCoy in it. So he was like 120 or something like that. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. 
This is written by John Von Holt, and it's narrated by Tim Russ, who you may remember from the Star Trek films, as well as the Voyager TV series for his roles there. So instead of Kirk, we have Captain Jean-Luc Picard and the Starship Enterprise D, and um, investigating the missing Dr. Carol Marcus. Here's a little snippet of it now. How many hundreds of security officers had drifted through her life in the last 90 years? What did they think about their time spent with the mystery woman of Pacifica? In the first years of her banishment, she had gotten too friendly with a few of her guards. The truth was she had been grasping for tenderness and forgiveness in the wake of her son David's death and the spectacular destruction of Project Genesis. Jim Kirk had disappeared again, and there was no one to console her while they erased her life's work from recorded history. She noticed something odd on the ground. It looked like a sprig of moss, and she bent down to pick it up. The waxy gray sprig was unlike any vegetation she had ever seen on the island. She dropped the sprig into an empty pocket on her jumpsuit and stepped toward a double door. Carol Marcus strode into the common room of the big house, as they called it. Two other guards were seated at the card table, playing a game of three-dimensional chess. Carol Marcus yawned broadly and made a decision. I'm going to take a quick nap. Her guard nodded with approval. We'll have lunch ready for you when you wake up. Lying in her bed felt as luxurious as lying in a weightless mud bath on Rigel II. Marcus felt all the worries of her pain melting away as her body sank into the mattress. I don't know when I've ever been so tired. Then a warm hand touched hers. Stirring gently from her dreamy reverie, Carol Marcus looked up to see the most wonderful sight in the whole world. David, her son's angelic face was framed by unruly blonde curls. She lifted a trembling hand to touch his face. Certainly there would be nothing to feel but an old woman's illusion. To her astonishment, her hand touched real flesh, and she ran her fingers over his nose, mouth, and eyes. David, you... How? David cupped her hands in his. Don't worry about that now, Mother. The universe is full of strange and wondrous things. I'd like to show them to you. Are you ready to leave this pointless life behind and come with me? Father is anxious to see you, too. Jim Kirk. But he's dead. You're both dead. I killed you, David. David stroked her matted, ivory hair, the child comforting the mother. Suddenly, Carol looked up and gazed out the open door toward the common room and saw the guards lying on the floor. What's the matter? David touched her lips, silencing her. Nothing is the matter. Not anymore. It's taken me a long time to find you, mother. But now we're going home to finish your work. David's solid arms reassured her and she surrendered to her bliss. Her consciousness seeped away until all she felt was oblivion. So this could be your selection, or you could choose... They have, they, they actually have more Doctor Who titles than Star Trek titles, if you believe it. So they have lots of stuff here at Audible. You should check it out. Simply go to audibletrial.com slash pawchalk. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pawchalk to get your free audiobook.
And we're back with Doctor Who Podshock, and we're going to get to some feedback, which I, I know we've been promising uh, in our last episode, and we ran late. So before we run too late now, we're going to jump into feedback, and we're going to start off with a... Uh, as I said earlier in the show, you can send your feedback by calling into our public call box. This is an audio podcast, so we always prefer audio feedback so we could play it on the show. So if you call 206-984-3543, you can uh, leave feedback there. Also, you can go to our website, podshock.net, and you can click on the feedback link on the top, on the top menu bar, and that will give you other ways to leave feedback. You can send voice, you can record something. If you have a smartphone, many smartphones have a uh, voice memo capability, and you can just do that and then uh, record something and just send it via email to feedback at podshock.net. And that works just the same. So there's various different ways to record your audio easily and send it to us for the program. This came in through the public call box. This is from Greg, and uh, he's inquiring about, uh, well, why should I tell you? I'll let him tell you. Hey, guys. This is Greg down in Florida. Uh, glad that you're keeping up the good work on the podcast. You know, I was thinking during the, uh, the, the gap in the uh, show next year, there is lots of plenty of good Doctor Who material uh, to be covered for you guys to discuss, some stuff that uh, you know, I'm surprised that it doesn't ever come up. Or if it has, I, I apologize if I missed it. But, like, one story that doesn't get enough props is The uh, Scream of the Shalka by Paul Cornell, right? I mean, um, I really enjoyed that. Um, it, uh, of course, it aired back in 2003. It was kind of overshadowed by the announcement that, um, that RTD was bringing the show back, and so that meant that this uh, Scream of the Shalka wasn't going to be considered uh, canon. I guess that, you know, stole a lot of the excitement out of it. But... Um, it was still a lot of fun. It was the first official fully animated Doctor Who story, the first story that was actually made for the Internet, I believe, and it helped to um, get us through the end of the years of the great Doctor Who famine. Um, so, I mean, it, would not, it wouldn't have been an effective reboot of the series to, uh, to bring in a new audience um, like RTD did with Eccleston, but for existing Doctor Who fans, I just think it was cool. Um, you know, Richard E. Grant playing the Doctor... Uh, of course, uh, he played the Doctor in the, the comic relief satire, The Curse of the Fatal Death. And there's another show that you could devote a whole um, podcast uh, episode to um, discussing, um, Curse of the Fatal Death. Also, Sir Derek Jacoby as the Master, right? Uh, years before he appeared as Diana uh, in uh, the um, Utopia episode. And uh, what's her face? Uh, Sophie Okanado um, as the Doctor's companion, who later went on to play Liz Ken. Uh, during the Eleventh Doctor's reign, a lot of people think of Martha as being the first, uh, the Doctor's first black companion, or even Mickey. Um, but if you count uh, Scream of the Shalka, then um, this character Allison could have been the, the Doctor's first black companion. And just a lot of neat stuff in there. Um, not to spoil too much, I just like the way the story leaves you hungry to learn about uh, how the Doctor regenerated into that form. Um, what is the nature of the Master? Um, well, let's just say the Master has a, a, an interestingly different relationship with the Doctor in uh, this story, and it's, um, it leaves you wanting to figure out how that came about. Um, but anyway, uh, just food for thought. Just thought I would uh, throw that out there. And um, thanks a lot. Keep up the, the good work. Now don't wander off. <laughs> just in case uh, people don't remember, the Screaming the Shulker, uh, it was a Flash animated series, um, and it came on. It was part of the 40th anniversary 
of the series, I think. Uh, it was originally posted in six weekly parts from 13th of November to the 18th of December in 2003, would you believe? Yeah, it was It was actually um, pretty significant at the time because uh, before the new series, before the series, you know, comeback was announced, before uh, Russell T. Davies uh, came on board and, and brought the series back, at this point, this was going to be the future of Doctor Who, really, because we had um, th- th- there was another story which which um, was um, a flash story, which was a recreation of Shada that was done on the website, and then this was the first new Doctor Who since the Paul McGann movie, and this was you know what the BBC was considering canon going forward was that this really where the series was going to go, uh, since at that time there was no. Um, new television series yeah greg is right it had uh richard e grant playing the ninth doctor so you know before christopher you know <laughs> we're back to christopher eccleson today uh happy birthday chris uh before he was the doctor richard before he was the ninth doctor richard e grant was the do- was the ninth doctor as far as uh, you know voice wise they had an animated um flash animated as you said dave uh web version of him sort of um kind of sort of looks like him in a way um, you know, playing the Doctor. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you still can enjoy this on the website. You still can go to uh, bbc.co.uk Doctor Who, slash Doctor Who slash classic slash webcast slash slash Schalke. I know that's that's a lot of that's well, I'm we'll, sure if you put that in Google, we'll put the link fun. in the in the um in the enhanced podcast, but we'll also try to uh, remember to include it on the website too. Uh, you'll be able to uh, enjoy this, uh, you know, this story. Of, of course, you'll need to have a web browser that does Flash, so that kind of rules out a lot of the mobile devices, you know, iOS devices and all that. So you'll have to go to your desktop and um, and do that. You know, I'm surprised they don't release this as a, um, you know, as a, um, an iOS app where you can, you know, they could even charge 99 cents for whatever and, um, you know, release it that way. But if you want to see it for free, you still can. It's a, it's an interesting story, and as Greg said, it had um, Sir Derek Jacoby, um, Jacoby, Derek ja- Derek Jacoby, yeah, of course, who would reprise the Master in Utopia. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, as um, you know, we had uh, well, you know, the first um, was it Sophie. Yeah, Sophie Okonado. Uh, uh, she, she was in the Beast Below and the Pandoric Opens. She played Queen Elizabeth X. So it's uh, animated by Crosgrove Hall, who um, has a long history of, of doing great animation work. So definitely something you want to check out. And if um, you know, if if you're sort of like a new Doctor Who fan that hadn't been exposed to this before, it's something that it's. Um, it doesn't. It's, it doesn't really get enough attention, as Greg said. So maybe this is something that we should review in a, um, you know, take Greg's advice here and and do review it. You know, it's it's written by Paul Cornell, who, you know, has been on our show in the past, and um, maybe this is something worthy of doing a review of. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, it is in book form as well. I'm not sure whether that book is like um, an illustrated, you know, like um, a graphic novel, or whether it's actually. Uh, an ordinary novelization, but uh, there's a BBC book of Scream of the Shalka. Hmm. It's got me thinking even about our next episode. So <laughs> maybe we might review it for our next episode. So uh, upcoming Doctor Who podcast episode, uh, Doctor Who Podshock episode, one way or the other. 
And that's why, uh, listener, it's important to give us feedback because um, it can enhance the show and uh, we can Ab- give you what you yeah. want. Absolutely. We're always open to ideas, suggestions, and, uh, um, you know, it's it's great to get, uh, you know, a fresh spin on things. And uh, many times that comes from our listeners. So, uh, yeah, definitely. We'll, that's something worthy of checking out. So we have some other feedback to cover, and um, these are uh, a couple emails. This goes back to uh, to November, so I do apologize for not getting on this sooner. So uh, this comes from uh, Toby Trot, who writes, Guys, my wonderful wife, and then he has in, in parentheses uh, MWW, <laughs> which I guess is an inside thing for him, um, and I are having a discussion about Doctor Who while listening to your episode on Let's Kill Hitler and Night Terrors. We were speculating about River about River slash Mel's. I'm sorry. We got into an area of sheer speculation on the unexplained aspects of the who of the who universe in general. My wife popped up with uh, with her explanation uh, predicted by, well, that's dark matter in the Doctor Who universe. My immediate uh, unquote. Uh, my immediate reaction was was that the phrase. The dark matter in, I should say, I'm sorry, quote, the dark matter in the Doctor Who universe, unquote, was just so perfect in covering so much speculation on Doc, on Gallifrey, uh, the Doctor, Taurus Tech, and all the concepts never touched on the show. So you are welcome to use that bit and give Denise, um, <laughs> my, which is uh, his wonderful wife, uh, credit. The dark matter in the Doctor Who universe. Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of like um you know the time war kind of uh, sort of like explaining things. Well, yeah, it's like timey wimey is a a coverall substitute for you know when you haven't really got an explanation. Like Sally Sparrow says to the Doctor, you know, uh, you lost it a bit there, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I mean, unexplained aspects of the Doctor Who universe in general. Uh, that could explain. Um, is it one of the Black Guardians things? Ooh. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, they kind of write these things into the show, and then later on, years later, another writer will pick up on it and um, and use it again and and develop more of a backstory to it. So you never know, you know. And, and before we get any more feedback about what I just said, or it might be the White Guardian, you can't tell by the colour sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't um, seen uh, you know the the white. Well, you, we said it in the earlier news segment that they're bringing back some. Well, they said monsters, so um, I don't know. Well, the Dark Guardian, Guardian could, could be considered a monster. So there's lots of people, lots of. Uh, creatures and entities to to bring back in doctor who so i don't think they're you know everyone wants the zygons to come back so um, who knows well here's another piece of feedback this is from rob leather and he writes hi louise louise <laughs> i'm sure he met lewis but <laughs> louise can oh, no, let's go with louise <laughs> louise ken dave or other with uh <laughs> He puts a little brackets, like uh, little tick boxes, you know, check, you could check or, or tick off which one, and uh, you know, applies. So, uh, and he writes it right there, tick where appropriate. 
That's great. <laughs> well, if you didn't have a tick before, you got one now. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I'll, I'll let you finish reading this email. Yeah, I'll give you an idea. Yeah. Um, I was listening to show number 265 and heard the quote from the John Pertwee era doctor saying, you know I've been beginning to lose confidence for the first time in my life and that covers several thousand years. But surely as a time traveller, his life has spanned several thousand years, just not necessarily in linear fashion. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, etc. Okay, stretching it a bit. As for the age of the doctors, I didn't... We, didn't we see Matt Smith, aged 900-ish, and then again aged 1,000-ish, and he looked the same? My point being that when he pops off alone and comes back later, who knows what tardis time went by in between him leaving and coming back, which I like, partly because it opens the door to Big Finish and others, and secondly, because it's cool, very much like bow ties, Bob Leather. And um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the one he's talking about is the um, uh, the of course the impossible astronaut one where we and again this I don't think this is too spoilerish. It's not a plot point, but basically um, the the doctor appears to say his age is one age, and then when having the picnic, mm -hmm. he, he says that he's talking about tasting wine, uh, and he gives a different age, and of course that is part and parcel of uh, the plot, but. Quite rightly, he doesn't look any different. But the point is, in that particular case, we're fairly certain that perhaps 100 years has gone by because the doctor talks about his designated age, for want of a better phrase. Uh, but there are lots of other things where um, uh, we don't know how long he's gone off. Um, there's the, there's the one point right towards the end of the 10th Doctor story where he arrives on the planet of the Ood with a garland round his neck and a cowboy hat mm -hmm. uh, where he's been trying to delay his fate um, and he talks about being married, this, that and the other. He, he could have had almost a lifetime as adventures and it absolutely does. It gives Big Finish time to fit in episodes. It also gives... Um, uh, people in the fan fiction uh, yeah, uh, writing yeah. time. So, uh, yeah, Rob, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I agree as well. I mean, there's many stories where, you know, um, I mean, they're, they're, you can't go by the television time, you know, because, you know, um, there are many stories in between stories that can be, uh, you don't know how much time takes place in between them, you know, where the doctor can go off and do, um, you know, have many adventures for who knows how long before he comes back. And, uh, you know, for the television audiences, it could be the, the next week, but we don't know how long the doctor's been away. But but what he was getting at was the line, um, you know, I'm beginning to lose confidence for the first time in my life. And that covers several thousand years. That's a quote from Doctor Who and the Silurians, which we were reviewing in our last episode. And I took that to mean the same thing that which I think uh, Rob, the, you know, the writer here, uh, took it, meaning that he's his life has spanned that many years. Doesn't mean that he's that many, that that he's several thousand years old. It just that means he's he can time travel, so he's he's spanned several thousand years in his travels. You know, oh, just whoa. like they've been they've been to the end of the universe in yeah. Utopia. It, it's just like saying, well, I've I've spanned several thousand miles or kilometers or whatever. Doesn't mean that's how long I am. <laughs> It means um, that that's that's how much I've covered, you know, in my travels is is that much mileage or um, you know distance. 
but if you t- take that and and apply that to years and time instead of instead of distance that's what he i think he's saying and that's that's how i took the doctor to me you know that's that's the meaning i took when the doctor said it now when it was brought up at a on our podcast for some reason i i it just didn't you know that didn't click on me i didn't really respond to that but i should have but um i just didn't think of it at the time well, I want to say a couple of things here. First of all, uh, to those people who are surprised that I read the feedback out, I wanted to do that because Rob, he's from Manchester, UK. <laughs> so he wanted to hear that in a Manchester accent. So yes, there you yes. go, uh, Rob. And uh, I'm so- and I'm horrible at reading <laughs> emails. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, the other thing is um, just one of the analogies I'd like to make a comment with this, but I'm so scared now, I'm absolutely freaked out about giving spoilers, but all I will just mention is if anybody it's not really a science fiction film, it's I think it's a love story, but if you've ever seen the film called The Time Traveller's Wife I haven't seen um, it yet I know of it. Well, well I, I would suggest, you, I think you'd really enjoy it mm-hmm. uh, Lewis, it's a bit sentimental, a bit weepy, but without uh, explaining why I connect this to this letter, uh, this particular person, by the very nature of the film, I can say this part, he doesn't live his life... Well, he lives his life sequentially, but to the people around him, it doesn't appear to be sequentially, which is obviously very much like how the Doctor mm, relates yeah. to other people. So, and this, the scene or two at the end, which, if if I say about it now it would spoil the film but it brings in this whole idea about uh, the the doctor's life and how how he, he could appear to different people so all i'll say it is a, it is a ladies film so um perhaps um you know uh, you you guys will have to just uh, you know grin and bear it and get your hankies out but i really did enjoy it uh, the time traveler's wife and that may partly explain what's going on in Doctor Who as well mm-hmm. with this timey-wimey business. Yeah, I, it, it's definitely one of those films that I want to see. I just haven't gotten around to see it yet. All right, well, I, that rounds out our feedback for this episode. And Dave, thanks for, for helping out there. It's a pleasure. We have some breaking news as this episode was in post-production as it was being edited. So this news broke. As uh, we mentioned earlier in the show, Sylvester McCoy was scheduled to be at Icon 31 this spring in the end of March, the beginning of April, that is. So it turns out that due to, he, as you may or may not know, he's cast in The Hobbit, the new uh, Peter Jackson film, uh, The Hobbit. And due to schedule changes in the shooting of that film, Sylvester McCoy is no longer able to attend Icon so in his stead, we're getting a rare treat. We're getting Paul McGann is coming to Icon. Again, that's Icon 31. And it's not on their website yet, but Ken has posted a blog entry on gallifrandembassy.org or podshock.net. So it's unfortunate that we'll miss Sylvester McCoy's appearance, uh, but it's very exciting to see uh, Paul McGann here in this area because I don't believe he's uh, been at one of the northeast conventions here at least not uh recently i don't think so um yes very exciting once again that's icon 31 and the website is 
iconsf.org. And again, he's not on the website as of yet, but maybe by the time um, this podcast goes out and you're listening to it, he might be. I should also remind you that Daphne Ashbrook is scheduled to be at this convention as well. So it'd be good to have both Paul McGann and Daphne Ashbrook, you know, at the convention together. Yeah, so I think that's going to round out our show, too. Yeah, we start off on the Star Trek Enterprise and we end up in Manchester. I mean, <laughs> what what more could you want? What more can anyone ask for? Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, I want to thank you once again, uh, Dave, and also thank all our listeners for uh, for listening. And um, as always, uh, for Dr. Upachuk's supporters, um, you know, we can't do the show without you, so I want to thank you for, for that as well. And... Um, and for all those out um, at conventions at Gallifrey One or um, Megacon or, um, you know, please once again uh, call into our public call box and let's hear what you had to uh, your your take on the conventions and um, the highs, the lows and in-betweens. And um, I'm sure it's um, it's all good stuff. So. And I hope the people who've got back from Galley by now. Really enjoyed it. I hope you're going to post plenty of pictures, plenty of uh, little uh, audio treats, get some YouTube stuff up there so we can live vicariously <laughs> with those of us who didn't make it. Don't leave any of the uh, the detail out. We want the whole... Uh, apparently, um, uh, I heard debates about it because of this uh, change in not being able to bring your drink into LobbyCon that... Um, that um, most of Gallifrey will now go behind closed doors. Uh, something that are called, um, is it room parties? I wouldn't know about that. I, but I must admit, if I do get to um, to Galley at ever, I'm going to have to remember to pack a Hawaiian shirt or something and uh, get ready for those parties. Yeah, and I just—I know I said this earlier in the in the podcast, but that all that all that. All those activities aren't officially part of the convention. That's just that's that's like fan programming. <laughs> that's just why people go. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a good convention even without all that. I mean, so I'll say that much. So, but it's I might you know that other stuff is good too. <laughs> it's all yeah, good. <laughs> I wonder if ribbons are going to be as big this year. I can't imagine the not. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> last year it was a, like a scarf on me. <laughs> wow, right? And and uh, and, we, and we I think we also said uh, got the youngest guest ever, Caitlin. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, it probably uh, you know before that probably was um, Tommy Knight. Tommy. But yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Uh, cheers, everyone. Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented by the fan run Gallifreyanimacy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices, now available in the iTunes App Store. I am the Doctor!